Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel O'Connor. Dennis Dick with you this morning. What is there to say? Uh, Tesla, Tesla. Uh, maybe we'll talk about Tesla today, and then after that, we'll probably talk a little bit Tesla on the show. Uh, but that is the biggest story of the day is just Tesla's continued move higher, so we'll talk about that, of course. Well, other headlines to discuss on our radar, Macau closing their casinos. We'll talk about what impact that could have. We'll, of course, talk about Google's earnings from after the close and some big reports that we're going to get. Today, our guest at 8.35 is Todd Gordon. He is a CMUC contributor and the founder of TradingAnalysis.com. He would join us at 8.35. You can always give us a call as well. Leave us a voicemail, and we will ask your question on the show, 734-494-0246. Joel, what's going on here in the overnight session? Oh, major green on the screen. S&P futures up nearly 41 handles at 2286.50. Uh, the futures really took off when the Dems couldn't find a winner in the caucus. That just sent the market into a frenzy here, a buying frenzy. The only thing we can look at on the upside here is uh, last week's high at uh, 32.97.50. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have uh, crude in the green by 66 cents at 50.77. We have gold in the red by $11 at 15.71.40. Silver going the opposite way, up a penny and a half at 17.685. Bitcoin down $250. These are the futures at 9,160. Let's bring in uh, Triple D here. Uh, how you doing today, Triple D? Wow. The bull is back and everything. And this Tesla, holy mackerel, this is impressive. Calls, 1,000 weekly calls. Yesterday morning, we're trading under a nickel. The 1,000 weekly calls. So let's wrap our head around that. Stock had closed um, the previous week at 600 and I'm just trying to grab the close. $650. Obviously, had the huge run yesterday, um, all the way up to close up near the highs at 780 It's up another 116 points here this morning. We are within striking distance of 900 those calls went off the board yesterday at two bucks. Those things are going to be, wow, I don't even know. They're going to $1,000. Looks like good today at this momentum. But, you know, they're easily 10 to $15. So you went from nickel. This is a lesson. And, and I know there, there's traders out there, and I've met them before, that just go around and write way out of the money stuff for nickels. And they pick up nickels, 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 nickels. And it works 99.5% of the time. The 0.5% of the time it doesn't work, you got to be very careful and you better have good risk management skills because those nickel options, I can't even calculate a percent on that. I mean, at, at yesterday at $2, you were down a couple thousand percent. These things go to $10, $20, you're looking you know, at significant, significant losses. And we're not just talking a little bit of you know, contracts open. Um, if I go and looked and I was just looking, I think there's, uh, let me just go grab it. The open interest on the weeklies, and obviously some of these could have been written before too, maybe with more time value so it's not like they were all written yesterday but there's some significant open interest there i think it was nine thousand contracts so if i go and grab on the, on the 1000 weekly so they're expiring on friday 
maybe they still expire out of the money. Maybe that person still collects their nickel. But I tell you, there's a little poo-poo in their pants right now. If, yeah. you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're naked, those calls. Yeah, 9,742 is the open interest on the 1,000 calls for this week's expiration. All right, there was some Yikes. additional news, Spencer, that that uh, we had regarding their battery venture. Uh, is there? Anna. Does it need news? Does it even need news? True. Yeah, I mean, there are a few headlines. I don't know if any of them, like we could say, definitively matter for the. In- I'll tell you what really drove it, Joel. What while you were on stocks and jocks, Richard Barron is is, is it, what, or what's his first Barron? What's Ron. First? Ron Barron. Ron Barron. Sorry, Ron Barron. I know a Richard Barron. That's why nine hundred just got hit. By the way. Uh, Ron Barron has been on CNBC for like the last half an hour uh, talking nonstop about Tesla, nonstop. So, and he also gave some commentary, Spencer. Can you talk about his commentary? Uh, I think the biggest headline is probably that he said in 10 years, he thinks Tesla revenue, Tesla's revenue will be over a trillion dollars. And, and it just keeps flying. I mean, yesterday, last night, it was trading down slightly. I said this to uh, my one friend uh, that I trade with sometimes. Um, we were talking after hours and I was like, it's kind of slow. I said to him, I just feel like buying a hundred shares of Tesla and calling it a night and, you know, come in tomorrow and it'll probably be up a hundred points. I kind of said it sarcastically, <laughs> but I kind of said it like, well, it probably will happen. I mean, it was up a hundred points. Here it is. You know, that would have been the best call. Just go, don't even bother trading. Just buy a hundred shares of Tesla last night when it was trading down 10 bucks at 770. And you come in here and you collect 130 points. It's absolutely insanity. I mean, it is going to, you know, nothing going to go up forever, but it's come this far. Now it's just every, everybody's got 1,000 on the brain. I don't know if it's going to pull the whole 995 trick and then fail and, and sucker a few people. I'm not sure how what this is, but this has been just the most epic short squeeze I've ever seen in my life. This reminds me, people say it reminds me of uh, 1999, 2000, the tech bubbles and the tech stocks. Kind of, but I even think it's more extreme than that on an individual basis. This is just, you know, an insane move. It was 650 bucks. It closed last week, 650 bucks, $900. Anybody know how many luxury car sales in the world there are on a yearly basis? Does anybody have that statistic? I, I, I don't know about luxury car sales, uh, but I did some quick Google searching. Uh, there are about 17 million cars sold in the U.S. every year and about 77 million cars sold around the world every year. Uh, and so with, with regards to Ron Barron's uh, Tesla yeah. $1 trillion revenue figure, according to a quick Google search and this website, ibisworld.com, they do these economic reports. The, the global auto industry injected $4 trillion into uh, uh, the economy in 2019. $4 trillion. Okay. That, that, that includes sales. That includes the servicing of- That's vehicles. everything. That's everything. So where do you get one trillion dollar number from? Like that means yeah, it's all going to be yeah. Tesla. It's going to be twenty five percent of everything. I I don't know. Is that just coming out? Is that just like floating out of his mouth and just saying it, whatever? Hey, um, I, 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 I'd like to see the numbers that back that up. I mean, if it's true, or, yeah, or if, you know, it, if he's got numbers showing the projections to how that can happen, I'd love to see that. But you know, to think that Tesla is going to have 25% of all the automotive market across the whole world. And that but doesn't just include auto sales, you were saying. That's all the other stuff too, right? It's all the other stuff, yeah. Like what's just auto sales? Just auto sales. Because it's, it's not a, even going to be close it, to that. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a luxury brand, right? Um, I don't know if I would say it's a little. Yeah. 
it's tricky. They, uh, they okay, definitely what, have what, the, the what, upper end model. What, what's but the, that model what's the, three does not feel. You know, I think yes and no. I, it, what, I, what's the cheapest co- Tesla? I, I believe it's around forty grand, right? I think I thought it was like thirty-five. Thirty-five, forty. Okay. Full disclosure here. Um, I, I am long Tesla in one of my portfolios. Okay, so full disclosure. Full disclosure. I went with a ride with Raz yesterday. Okay. And um, he reneged on giving it to me for the week. He was supposed to give it to me for the whole week. And these are my observations. Oh, that's where you you guys went for like two hours yesterday. It wasn't wasn't two hours. It wasn't two hours. Okay. And I drove it. I drove it and everything. And here are the pros. Um, It's a sleek looking car. Very nice. I like the acceleration. Um, It has its own braking mechanism. I did use the auto, you know, the auto drive. Um, it's a little scary. Um, I don't know, you know, if I would be using it all the time and you still have to touch the wheel, right? So those are the pros, okay? Um, the cons are the passenger seat in Raz's. What does he have? Do you know it's, um, it's the next model up? Uh, the passenger seat, I mean, I'm no super tall guy, but... It, I felt kind of cramped in the passenger seat, okay? Um, even when I put the seat back. Um, also, um, like it has a lot of things like in the instrument panel and things you can do in the car. Like Raz, like when you get in the car with Raz, he likes to turn the heat up to like 120 degrees. <laughs> That's seat. just for you, Joe. He likes to put yeah, the heat on you. <laughs> he likes to do that. And then it also, it has a thing where you can make um, sounds of people expelling gas. Okay, farting basically. That's one of the mechanisms <laughs> on the car. So I, I, you know, that's I don't know if that's distracting people from driving. But the other thing, and Raz's biggest complaint was, you know how in your in most cars in the back you have something where you can hang a sport coat. You know the hanger thing. It it doesn't have that either. So um, great car, great ride. I just, to me, I'm looking at, and I've been doing some research this morning. I, I'm trying to figure out if luxury car sales, like how many people can afford a Tesla, right? So if every, to I, me. I, I think they're meant to be on the affordable side. Okay. They're not going to be these super high end, uh, at least not all of them. I mean, I, I, isn't it the Model 3 is, is the cheapest, I believe? Yeah, right. I, I, I'm just saying, what do people, you know, what can people afford? And to get that kind of market share, is everyone going to be driving, you know, luxury car? I don't have those statistics. Okay. So you can't, you can't argue with the price. I'm just looking at, you know, these projections and is everyone going to be driving a Tesla? To me, I mean, if, if they come out with a, a $25,000 or a $30,000 car, I think that that's much more affordable. I think at this point, how many people, are driving luxury cars and you know that's the thing. i wouldn't call it a luxury car no. i think I, I would not um i think they have the upper end model so i think you're, they touch all all the they, they check all the boxes i think you know when you're looking okay. at their lower model that's you know forty thousand base or whatever it is thirty five thousand base but by the time you get out the door it's probably 50. i mean it's a lot of people will say that's a luxury price but i don't know if it is anymore okay um you know my, my minivan was fifty thousand bucks i mean and that's canadian dollars so if, you know 30, well, 20 or whatever, <laughs> but third, no, no, no joking aside, 36 to $37,000, you can pay a minivan for that now. So 
I don't know if it's necessarily a luxury car when it's got a $50,000 price tag on it. Um, obviously, they do have the luxury, you know, they have the higher end models, which would be more considered a luxury car. But I think they kind of check all the boxes. But the argument you're making is legitimate. I mean, I, I don't understand where this $1 trillion number is coming from. You know, he's on CNBC, Baron. Obviously, Tesla's, you know, performing very, very well. I do believe the revenue is going to continue to go higher. But what was their revenue last year, Spencer? I mean, Tesla's revenue. What was the revenue growth? Like, let's just project out growth. Or, uh, oops, wrong tab here in pro. One second. Tesla uh, revenue, 2019. So in 2018, let's grab the 2018 numbers and just kind of look at the growth. Uh, it, they made, uh, doing some quick, uh, some quick math here. So $7 billion about last quarter. So 7 plus 6 plus 6 plus 4. Is yeah, $21 billion in 2018. That was the revenue. $21 billion in 2018. And then in 2019, it was up to. It's like 20. It's like 25. 25. So we went from you know you're talking growth here from 21 to 25 billion. To get to one trillion, this revenue growth is going to have to accelerate. To get to one trillion, even within 10 years, this revenue growth is going to have to accelerate substantially from where it is right now. I mean, what was that up last year? Maybe 10%. So you could go 10%, 10, even if you sustain 10%, I don't think you get to a trillion. I don't even think you get close. So I don't know where that trillion number, I'd love, you know, Baron to publish where he's coming up with this trillion dollar uh, revenue number. I mean, if they can get there, that's awesome. And I, and, and I am still, you know, I'm not coming in here and saying short the stock. I've been saying don't, I, I've been saying it's a no touch here for me for the last three three days even though i jokingly last night it just felt like buying it it was that much of a frenzy that you just kind of had a feeling it was going to be up another hundred bucks and it is like just the spiny senses were just saying like it's probably going up another hundred bucks i can't stomach the rest <laughs> but i mean last night was down 10 bucks and it was because carter worth was talking about it on cnbc and he basically gave a warning and after he gave that warning the stock fell 15 points people watched cnbc and they were hitting the stock I mean, that's all forgotten. It's an opinion from one, you know, technical analyst on CNBC, and that's completely forgotten. Especially after that don't Baron, matter. After, that, after, after the Barron interview, everything's been forgotten here again. Right. Technicals don't matter. Um, also, and, you know, we don't have as much information on this company as other people do. Uh, <clears throat> the battery component um, is supposed to be, you know, the Panasonic news are doing a battery venture. So, not all of that trillion dollar revenue supposedly is going to be coming from the car sales. It's going to be coming from battery sales too. So that's where their projections come in. I just don't know how they get to the trillion yeah. dollar number. So maybe we're going to get some, maybe it's going to publish something. Maybe we're going to get some. It'd be great. Yeah. Be great. I'd love to read that because obviously the revenue growth has got to accelerate quite a bit to get to a trillion dollars within 10 years. So right. uh, it's it, unbelievable, though. I mean, like going back to those call writers, you know, you're writing options and, and you know, everybody says everybody believes, you know, we've even asked people in the show, everybody hedges. I'll tell you, you know, being in, you know, in a prop world, I can tell you, you know, that there are a lot of traders out there write naked options. There are a lot of traders that write naked options and that write deep out of the money options and just figure, oh, it's a free nickel, a free dime, a free nickel, a free dime. And that works, like I said, 99.9% .9 of the time sometimes. But in the cases like this, this is where you got to have really good risk management to realize that, hey, you know, I better be covering here at a dollar yesterday because this thing is, could actually just get ugly. So to eat a significant loss. Um, and obviously that those options close at $2 yesterday. Those options can be worth 10, 10, 15 bucks here this morning, even with the stock trading at 900. Um, it's an incredible movement here. 
it, a 1,000 by the end of the week is not off the table. I mean, this thing could go anywhere right now. This could, thing could be back down at 700 by Friday. This thing could be at like 1,100 by Friday. This can go anywhere. So it's just free. This is full tail rate right now. Full tail rate going on right now. TLRY, not with as small of a market cap, so you're not going to see the thing just double overnight. But remember tail rate when it went, then Spender was bringing that up. It's a good point. Um, just to remind me, uh, it went on that last day. Went, I think it went from like eighty dollars to three hundred. Did it not? Uh, like it, a it day went, and a half. It went from one fifty to open at one fifty. Yeah. Hit a high of three hundred, and then went yeah. back to one fifty in the same day. I mean, it's not going to do because obviously it's more widely traded than Tilray. Floats bigger. It's not going to you know do a double in one day. Um, but oh, it's incredible. This market cap. I'm. You know, it's been a long time since we've seen a, a company at the hundred billion dollar market cap move like a penny stock. And that's what it's doing. It's moving like a penny stock. It's that crazy. 2.7 million shares have already traded, but it's wide. I mean, I'm not even looking. Sometimes the spread is five points wide here in the pre-market right now. So incredible movement, incredible stock. It's a no touch for me. Uh, I just can't control the risk in it. And uh, uh, we're getting asked, Triple D, if you had Tesla long, would you take any off the table here? I just tell you, Lisa's the one that bought the You're Tesla. You're long at Joel, so that's a better question for you. Yeah, well, she got it at 400 I told her to sell it at 650 I told her to sell it at 700 <laughs> Joel wants to sell all the way I up. told her to sell it at 750 I told her, I didn't even have talked to her yet today, so I'll tell her to sell it at 850 But, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, just hold on. Get taken out on the downside here. I don't know. I don't know if writing calls on this is any good. It's just a, a full well, out. You could get you could get some money for the one thousand today, Joel. You're probably gonna get be able to get fifteen bucks for that. You covered. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I don't know. If I was in I'd been long gone. I mean, but I guess you ride it. Maybe you wait for the first red candle. I don't know. I don't I even, know. Like, yeah. I'm not it's in a stock like this. This is not in my cup of tea to, you know, know how to trade these kind of stocks. I have been, you know, the IQ last year, the DBX a year and a half ago. So I, ha I guess it's true. I have been in some of these like high flyers there. And you know what I do? I scale out. So the problem with Tesla, you know, a lot of people have a, less than a hundred. Are you really able to scale it as well? I guess you can simply do fractional shares, even on your Robinhood accounts now. So I guess you can always scale out, but I'm, I'm a big fan of scaling out when I'm in the winter, I take a little off. Take a little out. Okay, it's getting extreme. Because I had that DBX, um, if we go back, and this is the best example that I can think of. I had this D DBX, and we can see the big move. It was back in 2018, and it went from $30 to $43 in three days. And what happened? It went from 30 to like 36 to 39. I scaled out a little 39, a little more 41. And, you know, and, then, and then it obviously poo-pooed and you know, ended up going back down two days later, I think. So I use the scale-out technique technique when I'm really in a rocket ship, you know, and it's a good feeling. So take a little off, take a little off. And then, you know, maybe in the last piece, you may wait out for a red candle or something, but often when you get that first red candle, it's already down a hundred points from the highs. So it's never, you know, a bad idea when you get into something parabolic like this to take some profits. All right. So the Tesla show 20 minutes in, let's talk about some other stocks. We've got to go to Alphabet here. It's the biggest report yeah. of, of the day yesterday. And it, it wasn't a bad report. The earnings were great. The earnings per share, $15.35 per share is what they earned. $12.53 was your estimate, so they blew that out of the water. Revenue was a smidge light, 46.08 versus $46.94 billion. Uh, and what they also did, which is unique, is they broke out their revenue by segment, uh, for the quarter and the year, so we can see how much uh, Google Cloud revenue was, how much YouTube revenue was, which they don't typically do. Uh, I think maybe because it was the end of the year report. 
is why they did that. But uh, a mixed a mixed quarter uh, from Google on the headline numbers. Um, I'm long Google in the long term account. I'm sticking with it. It's down here. It's just an awesome. It, I'll tell you from a long term perspective, from an investment standpoint. Every time Google has had a significant fall in earnings, it has been a buying opportunity. And I don't see any reason that this is different. With that being said, you got lots of technical resistance up there at 1,500. It got up there near it yesterday, failed. It's pulling back. You get a big market. It's not going to participate in the move nearly as much today. Obviously, it has a little bit because we were lower there last night. So the buy the dip are, are good long-term opportunities. I'm not adding to it here, though. Again, I'm still nervous, and we haven't talked the coronavirus. We will talk it later on. I'm still nervous on the overall market. I know the market doesn't seem to care about anything right now, um, which is fine. It's got the frenzy going again, but I still think this virus is still going to be an issue that's going to come up here again in the next couple of weeks, um, if not sooner. So I'm not buying anything right now, but I do like Google. Uh, I'm just looking at the Goog and the Goog with the L, and I would just look at this uh, trading. I'm not going to go over all the particular numbers, but just look at this trading range since that 4 a.m. open. Uh, and I see the bottom of the range here. It looks like around 1428. Uh, then I see the top of the range, which is around 1445. So I'll let it shake out if you're trading this thing on an earnings day. Good luck to you. But looks like you're just in a little bit of a consolidation here after the news, a little price discovery. So if I was trading this, I'd be, you know, more likely go with the short below the bottom of the range. And uh, if you break out of the top of the range, you know, alongside. But it's been for a $1,500 stock, it's been pretty quiet since 4 a.m. So um, lots of other companies that reported here. Um, I just want to go over to Macau for a second here because this is interesting too. So we have the actual casino closures here now. Give us the details here, Spencer. Yep, confirmation that an employee uh, has the coronavirus, so they shut down uh, the casinos for two weeks uh, at least now. Two weeks shut down of the casinos in Macau uh, as they sort of get a handle on, on the coronavirus. And some of that I, I think was probably expected. Yeah, and um, I was saying to you on the pre-market, if we would have been live when this happened, but we weren't, I said on the pre-pre-market show, both these stocks were trading down Wind Resorts and, and, and uh, Las Vegas Sands. And I said to you, I was like, I think these things turn around. And go can, green. can it confirm? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's somewhat, like you said, expected. They were trading down here this morning. I don't know where wind got down to, but what a buying opportunity this morning. It looks like it got down to $124, which is just, you're not reading the tea leaves here. Market ripping, not worrying. Um, China ripping higher. I mean, if you were selling that, you're late to the party on selling that. And you're getting punished for it. So I'm not surprised these things have turned green. This was expected. Uh, you had the Las Vegas Sands get down to 63.40, now trading this morning, near... This yeah. 63.40. Wow. Yeah. What time was that? Uh, that was uh, early, right on uh, the first 15-minute bracket. Like 4 a.m. Yeah, 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 not a lot of volume, actually. And then you still had a chance, a little bit trading around 64. Uh, look at yesterday's range. Are we trading through the top of yesterday's range yet? Uh, no, 67.56. Uh, that's your high. I'd keep an eye on that as a target. Uh, above that, it opens up to the 69 handle. Uh, so we'll see what happens in Las Vegas Sands and when a wild stock in and of itself. Uh, that had a dip down to another buying opportunity yeah that got down to 124 and a quarter uh we've just traded 130.96 uh this one's getting into a gap area 
So uh, I'd use 132.11 as a target on the upside there. That would fill the gap from uh, the end of January. Just impressive um, to come back here for China in itself. I mean, if you look at this, this is a big move for China here overnight too. It's, it's amazing. And I tweeted out last night when the S&P futures started trading higher, I was like, they're just they're just not worried about China. I, I don't remember exactly what what I tweeted, but I said I, I think it's I think I tweet I tweeted it's disconnected from China. It is the the U.S. markets are just completely disconnected from China right now, not worrying about effects on GDP of basically China being in a shutdown. Um, and then somebody tweeted at me, "Well, China is disconnected from China because all the China indexes are going up here too." And it's true. I mean, we're coming back here on some of these, like Alibaba. Um, is right back up here. I'm long Alibaba, full disclosure. I held on to that one. I did not sell it. I'm also long it in my trading account too. Um, full disclosure, I mean, or, or yeah, it, it's just, it's I'm right back. I mean, all these things are coming right back. FXI is up a buck here this morning. We're getting back, a, you know, significant 20% of the losses from the last couple of weeks. So market is pricing in that this is a temporary problem and is going to get fixed. And I hope the market is right. I still am holding my insurance in my portfolio. That SPY is right back up to where I put it on. So, I mean, I could have taken it off for a significant profit, did not take the hedge off. Obviously, it was a mistake because we rallied 70 handles. We sold off 70 handles after I put the hedge on, and we rallied it all the way back. So, here's another opportunity. If you want a hedge, great opportunity here. I don't know how this ends. I nobody, I think, knows how this story ends with this virus. But right now, the market is pricing in that they're going to figure it out. And maybe the market's right. Uh, keep an eye, I mean, just overall for me, you know, keeping an eye on last week's high. Near the end of the week, actually on uh, Friday's high in the uh, pre-market trade, we got up to 97.50. That's 10 bucks away. So clearing Friday's high, making a new weekly high would uh, be very, very, very impressive for the market today. Uh, you know, trading up currently uh, 41.25 handles, 32.86.75, just a little bit off the pre-market high of 88.50. So it's a big move here for the overall market. It's a big move for individual stocks. We have a few other earnings to talk about as well. Let's jump back into the earnings parade here. Um, where do you want to go, Spencer? There's, there's not a lot of like guns. LITE, though, did report here. Yep. Um, they actually halted this. This is interesting. They halted this last night. And I've rare to, it's rare to see that. Like Obviously, LITE was due to report this morning. But I don't know if I've seen that where they halted the night before. Usually, they, you know, if they halt, they halt the morning. But they actually halted this. I'm just trying to find the time of it. Oh, I don't have it in front of me. But I, it was halted last night. So there was nobody trading this after hours after I think it was like 5 o'clock. And now it's reopened and the earnings are pretty good. Give us the details, Spencer. Yeah, good earnings in line guidance. Q2 adjusted EPS, a buck 53 versus a buck 29 estimate. Sales, 457 versus $452 million. So beat and beat. And their Q3 EPS and sales guidance were in line with estimates. Stock trading up. Um... I don't know what to say. And up another 5%. It's a big move. Stock is reporting on the absolute right day. Great too. day I yeah. mean, the market's ripping here. Everybody's liking stocks. I can't see, you know, why this doesn't challenge the all-time high, 84.49. We're two and a half bucks away from that. Yep. I think it could easily challenge the all-time high today. Yep, there it is. Uh, we did tick up to 82 even in the pre-market. Uh, Dennis talked about that all-time high, 84.48. So we'll keep that as a potential. This is an Apple supplier, so 
kind of makes sense, right? Uh, Apple does good. This company does good. So uh, keeping an eye, see if you get to 84.48. That's the all-time high, three bucks away. Also reporting, ton, ton of stocks reporting. We're starting to get into, like, getting away from the big guns, but getting into just a lot of stocks reporting. We had a race. You want to do Ferrari? Uh, sure, yes. Because uh, we've been talking Tesla. We're not giving any love to any of the other autom- automobile companies, and actually nobody's giving any love to this one here this morning sure. either. Uh, race, uh, EPS, a dollar and one cent versus a dollar eight cent estimate. Revenue, one point. 038 versus 1.03 billion dollars so in line on the revenue light on the earnings for ferrari race stock trading down reporting on the right day will help because the overall market is just ripping and they're not hitting anything really significantly today besides the coronavirus stocks um ferrari i'd say yesterday's low 168.32 is pretty critical again this is already trading overseas though so a lot of the price discovery has already happened I mean, there's not going to be any other car companies besides Tesla, so I would. Not. <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, so I would. I'd be hands off on the long side on this one. <laughs> I mean, you just think about it, going back to the Tesla, and you just look here, and oh, I just saw a tweet, and it just went away. Why does Twitter do that? You go, and I just like look at it, and then it automatically updates, like and yeah. and, and rolls yeah. up, and then I was just reading it, and I just like brought the screen back up, and yeah. then it goes all the way down. I have to scroll all the way down. But here's uh, from EMS Sales. Um, follow them on Twitter. Uh, Tesla, $140 billion market cap now in the pre-market. Ford's market cap, $35 billion. GM, $48 billion. Volkswagen, $83 billion. I mean, you can add all those up, and it's almost, <laughs> of those three Teslas, almost worth as much. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that it's almost worth five times as much as Ford now. Or is that right? Am I doing that? Four times as much as Ford. Over four times as much as Ford. And over three times as much as GM. Like, yeah, the two up, and it's almost twice as much as Ford and GM combined. Uh, and it's basically pricing in Ford, that Ford and GM aren't even going to get GM, into the electric car market. No, not just Ford GM. Ford GM, Fiat Chrysler, and Daimler. So, all of them. All of them combined. All of them combined. It's worth more than them. Yep. On $25 billion in revenue. So, Do, do we not think? I mean, this market we know doesn't think all the time. Do we not just think that? There's going to be other electric car makers that, hey, yeah, Tesla has 40% of the market share right now, but I got to think that GM and Ford and, and, and Daimler are cooking up. You know, that we've ta- they've talked about it. I mean, we know they're cooking up other electric cars. I think they're going to be some pretty cool electric cars coming. The, the electrification, Tesla is definitely, and Kramer, you know, saying it on CNBC, definitely a pure play on the electrification of cars. And it's in full frenzy mode. And we know these things can just continue on for a long time, much longer than we think sometimes. But, you know, really another, you know, more pure play on the electrification of cars is just short oil stocks. And we're getting a nice lift here this morning in, uh, in the oil because it's been straight down forever. But I mean, have you seen the chart of ExxonMobil? Have you looked at ExxonMobil, Joel? I mean, yeah, yes, we- it reported disappointing earnings, but this is like the biggest oil company in the world. And it's in serious trouble. I mean, you start looking here, like just from a technical perspective, not that the company's in trouble, but the, the stock is in Straight trouble. Straight down. Straight down for basically five years. Um, you know, and people can cite a lot of different things, but I mean, you, when you just look at oil prices too, we haven't really gone anywhere in, for three, four years in oil, but Exxon's going straight down and a lot of other oil companies going straight down too. Is not the electrification of cars, we've talked about this before, is not the full on, like in 10 years, we're all going electric. Is that not just terrible news for all your oil companies? I mean, they sell, you know, oil's used for other things, but I mean, 
nothing more than automobiles, right? You so, were uh, you've been sticking on this thesis since uh, the beginning of the year. That's why so, I'm I'm try not to own any oil. I, I I wish I didn't have ETFs that owned oil. I wish I had zero oil. I wish I I should probably just have been short oil um, the whole time. But I don't like shorting my long term account. So, but unbelievable that Exxon Mobil. You know, people say and they look at how can you go wrong with Exxon Mobil at sixty one today with a five point six percent dividend. Well, if we're going full electric, it's not good news for Exxon Mobil. Are they going to be around? Probably. But are they going to be making as much money as they used to? I'm not sure about that. And Dennis, it's interesting that you bring that up today because we have BP reporting earnings and they were good. Uh, the BP earnings were 76 cents was their EPS versus a 65 cent estimate and the revenue is 71.1 billion versus a $68 billion estimate. And they raised their dividend. For BP. Good, again, and a good pop. And it already has a sick dividend, 6.66%. I had this for a long time, my portfolio too. I sold it around 45 bucks. Again, because I don't want to own any oil stocks. I sold this back in 2018, around 45, 46. I was like, I'm done with oil uh, because the company's going full electric. And yes, Aviator One, I know an Aviator One saying, you know, plastic is used. We, we use oil for a lot of other uses. There's no doubt that oil is used for a lot of things. And I'm, we're not saying oil is going away. What I'm saying is if we're going electric on the cars, there's going to be less demand for oil overall. And that is not good for oil companies. I mean, companies can go bankrupt when, you know, oil demand falls 20%. You know, margins are razor thin on some of these companies. And obviously, a lot of these companies have already been burning cash. So, you know, if oil, you know, continues to leak and, you know, obviously, you know, we, it's $50 a barrel. But I mean, if we ever got back down to like those $25, $26 levels that we saw back in 2016 on oil, you're going to lose a pile of oil companies. So, you know, they can tread water when it's 60, 70. At 50, they're hurting big time, some of these companies. And you start getting down to the 40 and 30 pricing, it's going to be even uglier. So I just, you know, look at it. I'm looking at the trends, consumer trends. Global warming is a thing everybody's talking about. Oil is a dirty, dirty, you know, pure. And, and that, that being said, even plastics. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a trend. The new generation, the younger generation is all about cleaner energy. And if we believe that it's the younger generation that's eventually going to make the calls, you know, on what, you know, companies are doing, I mean, you got to think the energy is going to get cleaner and oil is not clean energy. That's why I am massively underinvested in oil. The only exposure I do have is through ETFs. All right, let's do one more earnings before we get our guest. Let's do NXPI here. Uh, EPS, a buck 98 versus $2 and two cents. That's a slight miss. Revenue, 2.3 billion versus 2.28 billion so a slight beat on the revenue and a slight miss on the earnings for nxpi up three bucks the stock has been an unbelievable performer too i mean really and it's been an ugly last week and a half you know obviously with the coronavirus and everything but put it in perspective you know this stock was 90 dollars. the stock started the year 2019 at 70 and closed the year you know up near 125 and then ran up to 135 dollars been a really big performer think about you know this was getting taken over remember by qualcomm yep. for like 128 bucks and then they, they you know they are 130 i don't remember what the number was i don't know if you have that in front of you spencer but i mean it did it on its own so without the takeover it got up to these prices been an unbelievable stock really uh, you popped up to 130.70. You've backed off that level just a tad here. Just look at your daily highs and see if you can uh, find uh, some, uh, you know, some 
confluence there. 130.97, that was your high on Friday, and then it opens up to 132. 132.01 is your two-day high, and I believe this made an all-time high just not too long ago, near the end of the month. Uh, so use that as a nice juicy target. Uh, that was 137.92. That was uh, your January high. All right, one more again, a lot. One more okay. report, and then we'll uh, see if we can grab Todd. Let's do Ralph Loren here. I didn't realize they were due to report this morning, but here we are. Uh, Ralph Loren reporting. Retailers starting. Yeah. Sorry? Retailers starting to report. That's an early one. Your retail is usually at the That's end of early earnings. Very season. early. Yeah. Q3 adjusted EPS, $2.86 versus a $2.44 estimate. Sales, $1.75 versus $1.72 billion. So beat and beat for Ralph Loren last quarter. Going to challenge that double top, 122.13, 122.14. That's your level. And that's the line in the sand. Can it get up through that? Because if that can, then you start thinking, um, you know, it could. Uh, well, that's your first technical resistance point. Yeah, you got 124 uh, just a little bit ago on the headline number. 13,000 shares traded there. You backed off, but uh, I like the level. Triple D is giving you a pair of highs in the same area right there. Boom, 122. That's your resistance two bucks away. All right, I have reached out to Todd. Don't know where he is, so we're going to keep on going. Yeah, we'll keep okay. on going. Uh, on, on, on our merry little earnings parade here. Uh, any particular earnings reports you, you want us to discuss, drop them in the chat. Uh, trying to keep an eye on that today. Let's look at – see, this is an interesting one. World Caribbean, RCL. Uh, so these, these, numbers, these numbers do not at all reflect what's happened with the coronavirus, uh, which makes this all the more interesting. So their earnings for last quarter – a buck forty-two was in line with the estimate, and their sales were basically in line. It was a smidge light, two point five one versus two point five four billion dollars. Uh, they gave some guidance. They gave some full-year EPS guidance in the mid ten-dollar range, which was in, which was actually higher than estimates. Or... How are they coming up with that guidance? I mean, in mid ten, yeah. does it say we don't know about the coronavirus though, or any like a little footnote on that guidance? Uh, they probably said I didn't see. Who's going on a cruise right now? Like, I mean, I guess it's not that much fear about you. Well, obviously, the cruises to China are, are closed. But, you know, it's one thing domestic cruise. We're going to go down, I mean, down you, the Caribbean. But that, who's going on an international cruise? You saw that thing last week with the, the, the Carnival Cruise in Italy that somebody may have had it. And it turns out they didn't. I, I would think that cruise, like people, people who have already booked their cruises are probably going. But I would think I'm going to wait a little bit before I book that cruise. I'd probably push that date back a little bit. So, you know, yeah, we're getting a nice pop, six bucks here. Uh, man, if I was in this thing, I'd be selling it. But I know th th this market's nuts, so it can just probably just keep going. I'm not going to go and short anything. I'm so glad. Even, you know, because I've been bearish. You know, last week I was bearish big time and right. And, and obviously now I'm wrong. You know, I've held on to the trade too long. But I'm so glad I didn't flat out short stocks. I've just bought puts to protect myself. And I said I was paying the 1.5%. If I lose the 1.5%, I was comfortable doing that. Um, I was way up in it. And now those hedges are gone. Or those hedges are back to where I put them on. But you look here, and I'm like, do I want to really be buying a cruise line up six bucks here this morning? Uh, I, I just, I can't, you know, I, I, I'm not buying it up six bucks, I'll tell you that. Uh, nice move here. Uh, Pre-market high comes in just under 123 at uh, 122.85. I think this is a nice setup for people that did get caught um, in the slide from the old-time high of 135.32. You slid down to 114.26. You had a 21-point move. 
You add half of that, 124 and a half, 125, that's your 50% retracement. I would look at that, get over 125, close above 125, and I think you're going back uh, to all-time highs here. But I think this is a great opportunity for people that were caught in this little uh, landslide here, opening up six bucks. We'll get see the hell out. Yeah, uh, let's see. I mean, That's what I know. think. It's a good opportunity to get the hell out. And maybe it goes up another five bucks today because the market's just silly and we punish anybody who's short this thing because there's definitely people who are probably short it short term on the play. And we know this market loves to punish the shorts. Uh, but I'm going to say, I'm going to go on the record here today and say that guidance that they gave that was in line or slightly higher, I'm going to say that is not going to be met. Um, I'm going on the record today saying that RCL is not going to meet that guidance that if they, if, and, and what, and that's what you just said, Spencer, cause I don't have it in front of me that they actually raised guidance here. No, no, it wasn't a raise. What is it? Reaffirm. I don't have it in front of me. It sounded yeah. like when you read it, that they, you said that they had a number and they actually came a little no. bit higher than that number. That sounds like a raise. No, no, the, the guidance, uh, the, the, the estimate was, was, the guidance was in line with the estimate. The estimate was like towards the low end of the range that they gave. All uh, right, so it's still but, within the range. I'm going to say that guidance are not going to meet that guidance. I'm going on the record here on, what's the date today? February uh, the 4th. Said, and they, eventually that company's not meeting that guidance. Listen, listen, listen. They said in the release, the guidance provided does not include any financial impact related to coronavirus. So, oh. so they're saying that we don't know. Oh. It's right in there in the footnote. It's right yeah. in the, there, it's, there, there's, it's in the se- third sentence. <laughs> there, you see this stuff going on and, you know, and I mean, containing and quarantining ships and stuff. I'm telling you, there's, there's not a lot of people who are booking cruises here. So I cannot even fathom that you're going to buy this thing up six bucks. And like I said, I'm not coming in shorting it because the market's stupid and we could just go up another 10 bucks because it's just the way this market is. But if I was in this thing, I'd be bringing the register. Happy, bought the dip, you know, in the last couple of days. Congratulations. The earnings weren't terrible, but they weren't going to be terrible because it wasn't about last quarter. It's about what's going forward. They're already put a little footnote there that we don't know how the coronavirus, I'll tell you the coronavirus impact. It's going to be significant on the cruise lines, in my opinion. Can we do snap for uh, Juan yep, Pablo yep. I Posada? Was, I was he is uh, being very persistent. Yeah, I, was about, a, I was about a. to put a snap. They are due to report after the close today. Some okay. big news today. We're going to get uh, Disney after the close, Snap after the close, Gilead after the close, Ford. Uh, but let's start with Snap here. Ha! Wow. Nice run up into the report, right? Uh, have we had a 50% retracement yet? The stock IPO'd when – I think I looked at this before. What did it go from 30 to 4? Was that it? Was that the move? 30 to 5, 25-point move, 2.5. You've cleared that 50% retracement on this move here, so – um, and it's holding above it. Uh, if I had a target on the upside here just for today, uh, I would be 1975. And actually, you kind of got a pesky seller up there. Three days in a row, uh, your high surrounded 1950. So that's that would be the resistance if it got up there today. Of course, when you have the report, and oh, you know, anything can happen. Psychological $20 level. And then your next monthly high uh, doesn't come in until 21.22. That was your February uh, 18 high was 21.22. So that's, uh, that's a look at SNAP reporting after the bell. On the downside, uh, you've been finding support here in the lower 18 handle, 18, 18, 18, 20, 18, 27. So give yourself down to 18 bucks. You break below 18 here. 
I think you start to get back a little bit of this move. So we'll see what see what happens with us uh, snap today. And then also someone was asking about Square. Now um, we got Square trading up uh, fifty cents here. It, did it already have earnings or not? No, it did no. not have earnings. When when do they do Spencer? Let me look it up on the pro. I've got April. Nope. I've got February 26th. So two, two and a half weeks. Been an unbelievable move. Full disclosure, I'm still along my square. You got the 8250 area. That's a real wall. So that's yep. where it looks like it wants to go. You had the high back in March, 8278. Then you had multiple highs in the summer of 2019 at $82, $83. So call it 83 bucks. Major resistance for the stock. It's been a very impressive move. But I just look at it here and think uh, um, I'm holding on. So I'm still holding on, but it's been a, a really impressive move. I don't know if I'm coming and buying it now, though, because you're buying it up near old resistance. Uh, well, <clears throat> it's definitely got the momentum going to the upside. You've uh, cleared the 50% retracement when it got under $50 at $49.82. Uh, and then I'll just go uh, with the monthlies here. And on the monthly charge, your next monthly high uh, does not come in. This is strictly the monthly charts, 84.55, uh, I believe. That was your October high from last year. All right, let's get our guest thoughts on this market. Todd Gordon is the founder of tradinganalysis.com. He's also a CNBC contributor. Todd, oh, good morning, but we don't have your video. Let's get your video on here. Uh, Todd, can you hear us? I can. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can you guys hear me? Yep. I, I, oh, there we are. There we go. How good are we doing? Morning. Oh, it's a test of your local network. I was just trying to keep you guys on your toes. Good morning, guys. <laughs> Todd, what's going on? Nothing. How are you guys doing? Sorry. Man, I'm you have such a clean setup. I love so jealous. Whenever Todd comes on, I'm like so jealous of his setup. That mic. I mean, he's looks. It's, he's always clean cut. He always looks good, too. Todd, we watch you on CNBC <laughs> all the time as well. This guy's got it going on, man. Like, that setup is sweet. I mean, you guys know the more monitors you have, the better you trade. Everyone <laughs> wow. knows that. I need to stop reducing monitors because I used to have like 10 and I only have five now. So that's why my trading is not as good as it used to be. You, you know, <laughs> it's, it's true. Like when you're on the, and the trading education and the, in the uh, <clears throat> presentation side, you know, uh, on that side of the business, the biggest part of using multiple monitors is to spread out and get your thoughts clear for presentations. I swear that's what I use multiple monitors for the most. So what are you saying? What are you seeing in this market right now? I mean, this has been a yo-yo couple of days to say the least. Yeah. We sell off Friday. Coronavirus <laughs> is taking over, and we're all gonna go, you know, and it's gonna be the, you know, the end of the apocalypse here happening. And now that's all forgotten. We're right back up to where we were basically on Wednesday. So we got all of the losses back. Yeah. What are your thoughts here? How do you approach this market now? Yeah. So so and again, sorry, I'm a little froggy here this morning. I'll struggle through, but. Um, just, just so you guys know, I've, I've been going through a little bit of a transition professionally. I'm happy to go into that if you like. So I've been kind of focusing. I've joined congratulations, a, by the way. Oh, thank I did you. say congratulations via Twitter, but I'll say congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, it's something I wanted to do, go towards the wealth management side. I'm happy to talk about it if you like. But um, for me personally, the way I've been invested, um, I haven't done anything in January. I didn't hedge. I'm mostly long. Like my concentrations are in tech and XLK and Qs. I have SPY, I have a lot of Apple, I have a lot of NVIDIA. Um, I think this is a, is a very strong bull market. I think the markets, uh, amateurs, invest, uh, retail, as well as institutional and hedge funds were underinvested, if not outright short, trying to shove every bearish narrative down our throat 
for the last two years in terms of, you know, anything, trade wars, impeachment. I mean, it's just inverted yield curve. I mean, there's so much that they're throwing at us. And I'm just trying to be a, a simple kind of technician from that point of view. I hear the fundamental thesis, but, you know, barring that 20% drop at the end of 18 and uh, back up into 19, it was completely erased. Barring that, I mean, the markets were just in like four to five percent ebbs and flows for two years. From a technical point of view, it didn't go anywhere. So, so long, like long term, to answer your question, Dennis, I mean, I think the market is extremely strong. I don't read much into this. I mean, the coronavirus is certainly scary, but I think everyone's starting to get that. You know, the common flu is more of a threat than uh, than than the coronavirus. And I just think, you know, we're in a very impressive bull market. I'm positioned as such. I'm not hedging. I'm completely able to do so. Um, I don't know what the market is pricing in here. I mean, just take a look at Tesla, what's going on here. What, like, what are we pricing in that no one's talking about? So I'm kind of trying to uh, turn my brain off here a little bit and just stay long. I mean, and that's been the best move. And uh, I've, it's always been a mistake for me whenever I've turned around and sold stocks or hedged. And I'll tell you, you know, last week, I don't know if you're listening to the show, but for the first right. time in basically since the financial crisis, I, put, I bought a hedge and I started hedging my portfolio and it cost me about one and a half percent because I was worried about this coronavirus. I sold some stocks, right. but I also just bought spy Which is puts. prudent. Which is prudent. Well, well, you know what? It probably, and I said, I hope I'm wrong. I said, I can... I can hedge myself out a month because I said right. I'm going to have a lot more information in one month. And this was right when SPY was 328. Yeah. So I bought the 325 puts and said, and I, I was paid, you know, three bucks for that, which gives you like a 1.8% is what it works out to or something, you know, right. the cost of my hedge to hedge myself above 325 in case, you know, the market, this coronavirus really does start to spread. Um, it's looking as of right now, it looked like on Friday that, you know, maybe I'm happy that I put that hedge on. Now I'm looking like I'm unhappy that I put that hedge on. The hedge is probably still worth near to the same where I put it on, but you know, it's, it, I was nervous. So this is what I did was I hedged myself for the first time since the financial crisis, whether that proves to be a good idea or not is still to be determined, but I was too nervous. I didn't want to sell out everything. Right. Um, I wasn't like going to go and just start selling. And I did sell a few stocks, just stocks that you know, I had on from my short-term perspective. So I kind of got trading neutral and then put a portfolio hedge on and then, you know, whatever happens kind of so, happens. So let me, ask you, let me ask you that. And this kind of pertains to my new life. I'm kind of re, re, uh, <clears throat> re, relearning, um, kind of retooling my approach. Like, are you hedging your trading account, Dennis? No. Or are you, are you no, hedging I'm, your long-term portfolio? My just my portfolio. So what I have, I have two basic accounts. I have my right. trading account which is day trading, swing trading, and, you know, obviously doing, you know, any type of trades. Um, and then I have my long-term retirement investing account. Right. And my right. retirement account, I buy stocks in there that I like, and I try to hold them for years. But I've, you know, we've had a pretty good run here. My account was sitting near all-time highs two weeks ago and my long-term retirement account. And I was like, you know what? We've had a good run. You know, Joel was saying, you know, even without this virus, maybe we're due for a little technical correction. But I was as nervous about the virus. Right. So I was like, right. well, I don't want to start just bucking gains and taking profits and paying the big tax bill. So I'm like, I'm going to buy some protective puts. Didn't hedge the whole portfolio, but I hedged a chunk. Of right. It. right. And, and that was just because I want to be able to sleep well. I was nervous about this virus. I was nervous that it could spread more. I'm still nervous about the virus. That's, sure. Those fears sure. are not gone. But I was nervous that this market could take a serious correction. We saw it with SARS. We saw it with Ebola. And right. for all intents and purposes, this could be, you know, just as big as SARS. If not, it's already bigger on a case basis. You know, obviously not on the deaths. 
but that's why I did buy some portfolio insurance. I don't normally do that. People mm -hmm. who hedge themselves all the time, you're kind of giving it up. I mean, if you're always you know, paying 12, 13% a year to hedge yourself, I mean, you're giving up all of your gains. So it's right. difficult to do that. Of but course, of course. Certain times, maybe it's prudent to do that. I don't know if this was the time or not. I'm regretting it today, but right now I'm hedged. So I, short I, term, but my short term portfolio is completely always hedged. I got yeah. neutral. Right. Okay. Understood. Understood. I mean, and, and my longer term, I've got, I trade in my Roth. I trade, I've got an individual 401k for running this. I'm not even looking at just, just to, just to show, I mean, I, for right or wrong, I, I've just been unapologetically bullish the market. My, my non-taxable accounts, I'm not even looking at, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, a lot of, I've got cash in my, in my taxable short-term account. I'm just trying to get over that one year mark and I don't know. Again, I, I don't pretend to know. I have all the answers. I just look at every bit of news that's been thrown at this market and the pullback is laughable, this included. And it's a pretty damn scary headline. But oh, yeah. like even in my, my short-term cash you know, uh, taxable account, I'm not even hedging. I mean, I, again, I, I just think the market is pricing in something that nobody's talking about. I think the fundamentals, you know, big hedge fund managers, even Tudor capitulating, saying this is like the perfect intersection explosion of monetary and fiscal policy. This is crazy. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I, you know, I think so many, so many prominent hedge fund managers was underinvested in, 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 if not short and, and man, they're, they're, this is just a classic breakout from a two year range. And, and I just feel like every bad news is being brought up and I, I'm just staying after the long side. I mean, and it's, it's, it's probably a good call here and I'm probably going to regret the hedge, but at least I'm still going to be long. If I lose my one and a half percent, I lose my one and a half percent. I'm just nervous about this virus. I've never, you know, and I've been, and if you've been listening to the show for the last six years, I'm usually kind of a Joel jokes and says I'm a permable and it's been just this type of market. And the last couple of years, like you were saying, 2018, 2019, we kind of were, you know, as a cons in consolidation station to a certain extent. Yes. Right. 2019 was a great year, but we were getting back a lot of the losses from 2018. And when you really look at it, um, you know, we didn't really break out in 2019 till really the last quarter. And then right. we had the good move. Right. So really and, and from a technical I, basis, we look good still. And I think, I think we could be, <clears throat> I think we could be unashamed to have that bullish bias because you're a, you're a prop trader, obviously, and you prefer high VIX. You want to be trading oh, yeah. at 20 oh, plus yeah. VIX. I mean, I, you know, I, for, for 15 years, I was a short-term trader and, and I, you know, my P&L was just absolutely correlated to high volatility. And I, I'd rather trade a high VIX market, but for sure. I just don't think we're getting, I think rates are locked, you know, feds completely out of the picture. Um, I think there's plenty of concerns to keep them accommodative on the monetary policy side. Fiscal policies is set to get more accommodative. And again, I keep saying it, markets are pricing in something we're not talking about. And I don't think any of us included the smartest elite academics out there are giving us any good information. So so, Todd, I mean, China's so, bouncing back here too. So the market is pricing in something and you see moves in Tesla. Maybe we should just go talk that for a second here because this is one of the most impressive moves I've seen for a while. I started talking on, on the show here this morning and we were looking at those Tesla 1000 weekly calls and <laughs> those were trading for a, under a nickel oh yesterday God. morning. And when the stock opened at, you know, 670 and now they're like, probably they closed at $2 yesterday, probably going to be trading at like 10 bucks. I mean, this is just going to show you, like, I cannot believe, you know, it's going to have, you know, it's going to, it seems to, like, it wants to challenge $1,000 this week. What are your thoughts on Tesla? Is this a big bubble ready to burst here? Or does this thing keep going? Again, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, I, I just tweeted a, a video. I was, uh, I was short Tesla from, like, 220. Really proud of myself that I covered my shorts down at 200, and I oh, haven't looked job. at it. Wow. I mean, it was a defined option. It was a, okay. it was a bearish pro butterfly. I mean, whatever. You can check my YouTube channel. 
I haven't done anything with it since. And again, I've kind of been, maybe I'm not the best guest here this morning, but again, I'm, I'm 40. I'm kind of transitioning here a little bit towards the wealth management side. So I've been kind of focused on sort of getting to know the other side of our, you know, our listeners and our clients' accounts, much like your, your retirement account. Um, so I, I've been kind of focusing on uh, kind of retooling and uh, sort of making a change in the exploding uh, area of RIA. Yeah, tell, um, to, tell us about why, why now. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I guess I've just been, you know, and I'm sorry to, to, to go off track. Tesla, um, I just think it's so, it's so indicative of, of this theme, of this, this force, this, this relentless pursuit uh, of people getting invested in the market that, you know, people have not been invested. So I, I don't have much more than that in terms of, you know, you, coming out of Davos, you just see how much uh, the, the dominant narrative was towards efficient efficient fuel and, uh, and, and EV. But um, so I, this is just something for me, guys. I've been in the, in the short-term trading industry since I was right out of college. Um, I've been doing it, you know, I guess I'm 41. I've been doing it since I was 21. Um, you know, just for me, guys, it was just, you know, too much of this. I get to know you guys and I get to know the other trading educators out there, but I didn't really get to know my, my, my customers coming in and out of the door at trading analysis. It was very much sort of a get-rich kind of quick, feeling and people want me to take their $20,000 account and make it a hundred by the end of the year. And just not the kind of relationships that really, you know, that I want to, I want to foster and, uh, and, and hold. So I just, you know, I think I'm a people person, just like all three of you guys. And I just wanted to start to get to know my, my customers, know their, their you know, know them as clients, figure out how to take, you know, the 20 years in the markets that I have market feel and experience and start to, to apply it more towards a planning point of view and, and take advantage of what I think is a pretty significant bull market. It won't go without its, you know, without its corrections, but, you know, I just, I just wanted to get something that I, I could get more, you know, more, I guess, intimately familiar and help, you know, 50 or a hundred clients and, and work with them all the way through to retirement. I'm very interested in the other aspects of financial planning. There's so much cool stuff and tax strategies and it's in estate planning and, you know, rather than just, <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I can follow these S and P's tick by tick for the back half of my career. I, you know, I, I just I'm looking to slow down. I moved upstate New York, Saratoga Springs. You know, I got three kids now, man. It's getting old. This is, you know, what this is where I should be going here too. Is maybe taking a page <laughs> out of your book here because I tell you, I get stressed out. You know, trading these markets, and I have the two young kids here and trying to juggle the kids and the trading right. and. You know, and you think about maybe I should just slow down a little bit too and go that longer term perspective. I don't have to worry about all these little individual moves all the time and not getting run over in a stock right. like Tesla. I right. Mean, maybe I got to take it and follow your lead. Here, you know, it, it's cool though. The the RIA space, and again, take, reel me back in, guys. If I'm talk, getting talk, too, talk about your chance. Talk about your new job. No, no, it's fine. It's just, um, you know, the, the RIA space is interesting. A lot of people are leaving, you know, the wirehouses and, 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 investment banks and, and they're going towards the RA space. Guys like, you know, Josh Brown is the perfect, uh, you know, poster boy for this. You know, it's, it's an independent arm of wealth management where you can kind of express yourself and you can put, you know, social media out there and you can, you can cast a large net and, and, and see who wants to be a, a, a potential client and then develop a relationship then where you, you know, you go into portfolio management, you go into multiple aspects of planning and, you know, it's super interesting. I'm studying for the CFP, it's like a 900 page book. I'm set to take the test in nine months, but you know, I've, 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 I've got an initial rush. I've started January one. There's been, there's probably been a, a, a good solid amount of clients that have come in and the conversation is much like what you guys are talking about, Dennis, the same conversation you're having like with yourself is, you know, is this the time 
to hedge. Todd, I want to come in. I want you to run, run my capital, run my retirement accounts. Um, but I want to have full access. And if we think there's going to be a drop, um, I want to be able to hedge. And I'm just trying to kind of distinguish and delineate, say, look, guys, the market is up about 400% from the March 2009 lows, right? If the market drops five or 10% in the context of a 400% run, I'm trying to kind of, this is a challenge I'm facing. I'm trying to kind of uh, just sort of put that in perspective in context that that is a very small drop compared to how far this market has come in a decade, not saying it can't turn into something more significant. So just having proper timeframes of the accounts that you're trading, if they're your longer term retirements, you've got to realize that a five or 10% drop is nothing. But if you have short term money and you want to go in, the, in a non-taxable IRA and you want to put some hedges on, that's something we can talk about. And the other thing that I think is cool that, you know, I, we just didn't do enough of in trading is, is what we call laddering and fixed income, right? So one to seven year expirations, sort of dollar cost average into the market. Because let's face it, we all know it's hard to time the market. And, you know, Dennis, Joel, and Spencer, I mean, you guys are excellent at it, but I think you'll be the first to admit it's really hard to do. So there's a lot of evidence to go in. This is if you structure a, a shorter term duration uh, uh, fixed income portfolio, let it expire, take that money, move into the market. You're actually doing a pretty comp comparable job to try and to time the market or uh, if, even if you bought the low. The guys over at uh, Ritholtz did a really nice video a couple days showing that there's a lot of statistical evidence. If you want to, in your longer term accounts, put money in incrementally at fixed periods, you're really not that far off if you were to buy the low. So, you know, that's, it's just having context in terms of the multiple accounts for trading. I was focusing too much on people's, you know, I said, give me five or 10% of your short-term capital, trade with me at Trade Analysis. Now I'm like, guys, let's, let's start working on the other 80, 90% and do some long-term planning. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, let me ask you, Todd, for, for these investors, I know that you, you trade the stock market and the options market as well. Yeah. Are you structuring, you know, and I know you have some great option strategies and stuff. Are you, are you going to be structuring your people toward holding individual equities? Yeah. Or, okay. Okay. So, it's different. The Tommy would, you know, with options is difficult. So yeah. Touch on yeah, that, please. Yeah, absolutely. No. And, and I, I'm lucky. I had a, um, <clears throat> it's kind of coming home. I'm coming home. So I, I had some contacts in Saratoga and I, I had my, Lucky to say my choice of three RIAs I was talking talking to, and I did a lot of due diligence on them as they did due diligence on me. And uh, the investment team here at the company I joined, which is Ascent Wealth Partners, A-S-C-E-N-T, there's three partners, all very accomplished in their, prof in, their, um, in their professional lives. The investment team, one guy, is, he's a Harvard guy, extremely intelligent. They select three portfolios. They hold on average. 30 to 40 stocks. They don't farm any of the investment out. So they have a nice allocation um, over the, the 10 major sectors. They do heavy, heavy in-depth fundamental analysis uh, as well as some technical, but they own um, fundamentally strong stocks. And then there's broken into three baskets. We have a dividend portfolio, we have a global growth, and then we have the call and opportunities. And I did a lot of vetting on them because I was not going to join a, a firm that's under, you know, underperforming and, and, and not, you know, keeping up with benchmarks. And that's not something they want me to lead with up front. But when I was looking at their historical uh, performance, I should say their historical um, process, investment process, success they've had, um, I was really, really impressed. So we hold, we hold individual equities. We do put fixed income to work. 
And we do case by case basis. If the client wants to work on hedging, if you firmly believe a pocket of volatility is coming up, uh, we can do that. And we'll do it with, you know, SPX. We can do it with SPY. We, I've, I've proposed some SPY put spreads on the downside. For the more advanced guys, I even don't mind doing some sort of broken wing SPX butterflies, sort of bring in, you know, a, a put credit spread on top of the put debit spread you're buying above. And um, so, yeah, we have a lot of flexibility in this new RIA space, which is, which is really exploding in the last couple of years, which again is, is one of the reasons, one of the only reasons I would move away from my beloved uh, company. And, and we are still running. I got a good team running trade analysis and I'll, and I'll, I'll come in a couple of times a week and see what's going on. And, uh, but, um, but yes, uh, we can absolutely hedge a longer term uh, portfolio with options. Long winded answer. Sorry, Joel. No, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, all right, Todd, uh, do we have any other questions here from the chat? Dennis, you have anything else you want to ask them? Spencer? I think we, I think, uh, I think we've got it all. We just out of 9.04, so we're getting a little bit tight for Yeah, that, that, that's time, all right. Uh, but but Todd, so we, we got Todd Gordon on, man. I and, know, we, like know. The, we go over time for Todd. We go <laughs> we, over time I, for Todd. I miss you guys. I do. I, I, <laughs> can you still more. come on? I mean, this is not – you can we talk? Pro- can you talk about your CNBC experience? Because you're on CNBC, we see you on there all the time. You know, just yeah. talk about you know how did how did that come about for you in the first place? Like, do you know to be a regular on CNBC? Um, <laughs> going to make an inappropriate joke. Um, I, no, no. <laughs> 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 to the right person. No, 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 no. Oh God. Um, no. You can do uh, anything on this show, Todd. You know. No, that. no, no. Um, so I was working at uh, GainCapitalForex.com and Wall Street way back. Uh, traded pretty actively through the 08 uh, crash, 08 credit crisis. Got a pretty good following. Gain was a sponsor of CNBC commercials. They put me on. Um, they wanted to do a show, Money in Motion. Tried out. Uh, they were taking three spots for. There was 50 people trying out. I made the top three and. Um, and they just kind of put me under contract since then. It's been, uh, you know, uh, it's been awesome working with them. Uh, man, there's so much that happens behind the scenes at CNBC. You guys don't, you don't, you don't get to see. Uh, I just signed my fourth three-year contract with them. And, and um, you know, I, I think I, I like what they're, they're putting out. You know, I know a lot of the guys who, who, uh, who are there. And a lot of guys are, you know, I know the ones intimately that are, that are trading. And, you know, um, it's been good. I'm going to do more of it. I've, I've kind of consulted with them and said, Hey, look, I want to make the move towards RIA and, and um, they've been completely on board and they're supporting them. Even uh, the new office that I'm in is one block away from my trading office here in Saratoga. I'm building out a studio. We're going to have a camera in there so I can do live appearances. Like if you ever see like Ryan Dietrich, who's, who's really awesome at LPL. Yep. Um, you know, so I got to have a camera in the office, hopefully do more and, you know, I guess when you're on the wealth management side, you got to go more fundamental and less technical. So uh, I think that's my future, boys. <laughs> All right. Todd Gordon, as we mentioned, he is the uh, founder of Trading Analysis and a CNBC contributor, but he is now also a financial advisor at Ascent Wealth Partners. Todd, thanks so much for the time today. Have a good one. Thank you for all the time, guys. I really appreciate all right. it. All right, Todd. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Uh, we went a little long today, but that's okay. That is our show. Uh, I want to thank our guest, uh, Todd Gordon. Do you guys have any final thoughts on this market before we go? Uh, I mean, uh, I've given my thoughts here. I was right last week. I'm wrong this week. It's coming back. I'm not shorting stocks. I'm yes. still keeping my hedges on, though. I'm still nervous. I don't think we've seen the last of the coronavirus, although the market is pricing like there's almost no risk. I don't totally get 
like how you know China's bouncing back here when you're, you're looking at it. Maybe, maybe we're not getting the whole story. Maybe China, maybe it's not as bad as you know the media is letting on. Um, but you know, from what I see on you know Twitter and what I see online, it looks really bad over there. And you know, when you get casino closures happening and store closures, and you know people not you know, leaving their house to go to work. I mean, it's such a big part of the global economy. I just don't understand how that doesn't eventually impact earnings, you know, especially, you know, when I'm looking at it like a Royal Caribbean, you know, looking at the stocks that, you know, companies that would have direct hits from the fear. Um, so if it gets solved, virus comes, I mean, I guess that goes all, all goes off the table and hopefully that's what happens, but I'm, I'm staying hedged. Pre-market high, 89.75. That's a nice target here if you've uh, you know, had overnight long positions. Uh, the big number, the top number on my page today, that's Friday's high, 32.97.50. Uh, we hit that in the after hours after the Amazon report. So busted into the 3,300 handle today. Uh, already exceeded the average daily range. So there's the two two numbers I'm looking at on the long side, 89.75 and 97.50. If we start to go into retreat here, holy mackerel, your mid-range is way down at uh, 62.50. Sure doesn't see you looking to hit that. Uh, yesterday's high, 67 and a quarter. Uh, that's 21 handles away. That would be a gap fill. But uh, numbers are getting spread out here. And, uh, we'll see if we can just plow through that pre-market high. All right. You can always catch our podcast of our show or we watch the show on youtube.com slash TV. Give us a call, 734-494-0246. Leave us a voicemail there. Or email us, pre-market at Benzinga.com. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading device. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.